0: Anchor makes it easy for us. We create the content, and Anchor does all the rest of the work. I dig that the most. So, if you've always wanted to start a podcast, make money doing it, go to Anchor.fm/start to join the Inhumans and a diverse community of like-minded degenerate podcasters already using Anchor. That's Anchor.fm/start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. You know I'll be listening.
1: The following is a fourth-hand production. radio. Radio.
0: and mysterious world of the Inhuman Experience, a paranormal podcast where we explore the strange and unexplained. Coming to you from the mothership directly above the uncanny valley, my name is Bobby Anthem, alias Dr. Freakenstein, and with me, as always, he practices medicine, he just hasn't perfected
2: it yet. My partner, my ace, my fellow Inhuman. Bobby Blades, aka the nacho man vandal savage oh yeah dig it what's happening man? <laughs> i'm loving it we are on a roll we are on a roll man we've been getting it in man doing putting in a lot of work man Hell yeah we've been on our grind
0: yeah and and it's kind of uncarry oh i don't want to say it's uncharacteristic of me it's not like i haven't been, been busy we've both been pretty busy but um man this is the this is the most we've been doing this is some behind the scenes stuff actually for the for the people who are listening to this because they have no idea what yeah we, if, what we do as far as
2: recording let um, me tell you something you think podcasting is easy yeah i tell you it's not easy at all it will fuck you up like nature nature oh man <laughs> but I have to say, man,
0: this one that we're doing today, I got to be honest, dude, I was a little intimidated, man. If I can show my vulnerability, I was a little intimidated when you hit me up and said, hey, dude, we got this guest who wants to hop on the show. And I'm like, oh, man, I don't know if we're ready,
2: but uh, it was a good one, dude. Tell them who we got. Uh, We got Dr. Chris Cogswell from the Mad Scientist podcast a doctor that's legit man he didn't go to Freakenstein school like i did <laughs> man
0: he has a real real degree man yeah. he's smart he's funny he's cool as hell man super laid back man but, this yeah. is really good conversation
2: right and once again the time just flew like before we knew it like we were running out of time and it was like oh shit i almost didn't want it to end because i wanted to hear more
0: and uh, we talked a lot about, well, we touched on something related to my favorite subject, uh, which is aliens, um, UFOs and things of that nature. Yeah. But he doesn't necessarily talk about any type of experiences with the paranormal. He, he hits it from a different angle.
2: Yeah, he approaches it from an angle that I have never even witnessed before uh especially in my very short time in the sphere of paranormal podcasting
0: yeah man it's definitely different it's definitely interesting and um you know i don't want to spoil it but i will say that the man is a doctor you know uh so he 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 approaches it from a more cerebral uh point of view uh so that's what i'll say about it, it it's pretty deep it's very informative um, yeah my, In my biased opinion, uh, it's an easy <laughs> listen.
2: Oh, it's definitely an easy listen. I know, I mean, if you're a fan of the shows on 4th Hand Network, then I know you've heard the Mad Scientist podcast. Great show. Check it out. And, like, we get into some stuff of our own here with Chris, and we have a blast.
0: So let's not tease the people anymore with our shenanigans, man. Let's get into this.
2: Definitely.
1: just living my best life or lying about aliens <laughs> uh, super chill super chill time how about you guys nice. what uh, What do you guys uh, do you guys what do you guys do for, for like full time jobs is the podcast your full time job I mm. wish <laughs> <laughs> yeah same same. Not all of us can be as lucky as those damn uh, Hysteria 51 guys. I know, right? And even they, it's not really like their full-time job. They just work in podcasting. It's ridiculous.
2: Yeah, they're uh, like sound technicians and everything.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Yeah, man. Oh, dude, we do everything like... We are a DIY podcast for sure. We always joke that we probably... I've spent more money on crazy books for research than I have probably on stuff to do the podcast with, like, mechanically, <laughs> to be honest. So, um, yeah, no, we, we do everything pretty, pretty, pretty easy, I'd say.
2: Ah, yeah. Bobby Anthem spends all his money on Yu-Gi-Oh cards.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and lap dances. Yes, and lap, but- lap dances.
2: <laughs>
1: there we go i hope i hope not from the same place that'd be very <laughs> <I> mean, <why laughs> some not? big old big old sweaty dudes having fun <laughs> right. Good I'm, stuff. Just,
0: I'm just trying to assemble obelisk the torment <laughs> 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 um god oh, so funny but, dude no as as far as my
1: setup though i mean i want to hear what you have going on yeah i'm, I'm ready to talk about whatever you guys want to talk about yo.
0: Cool. Well, let's start off with this, since we're going to go ahead and get it rolling. Um, Why don't you tell everybody exactly who you are, exactly what you're up to?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Chris Cogswell. Um, I'm the host of the Mad Scientist podcast. So I have a Ph.D. in chemical engineering and a bachelor's degree in chemical engineering and philosophy. So. My show is kind of an offshoot from some of the philosophical research and also just a lifelong love of the paranormal and weird that I've always had. Um, And kind of, you know, the show hopes to answer the question, why do people believe weird things? Right, and kind of talk about or look at are those things true? Are they not true? Is there any evidence for them? Who are the figures that play a role in those stories propagating um, or being made in the first place? And then also talk about and try to teach a little bit the the actual hard science and philosophy that sits behind some of those ideas that maybe isn't as expected to some people because they just think, you know, oh, UFOs, well, there's nothing to that, right? Um, but there's a lot of cool science, philosophy, history, um, just a lot of cool stuff you can talk about, think about, and learn about those subjects that are still useful, even if aliens or UFOs or whatever don't exist.
0: I love that. That's amazing. <laughs> <Wow>. um,
1: <laughs> Clearly, I've been on a lot of... Uh, Clearly, I've had to justify my love of UFOs for like my entire life because I have that answer just ready, right? Of like, I'm course, just like, right. UFOs aren't stupid, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's,
2: <laughs> it's it's <laughs> right in your forebrain. You, apparently, you've right been beat there. up a lot in alleyways. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I, oh man, I wish I got beat up someplace as nice as an alleyway. <laughs> Damn, that'd be great! Like like the what is this, the Ritz Carlton? <laughs> um, give me my comics Adam. back. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, my question is this, though, I mean, because I mean, you're you're educated, like you you have some ser- serious stuff behind you. Was that originally connected to your interest in strange stuff, UFOs and things like that? Or was it just two of two of the things in your life that you just decided to kind of put together? Like, like where did the where did your interest in, in the strange and unexplained come from?
1: Yeah, no, it's a, it's a really good question. So, for, so first off, I think it kind of came from the fact that my family growing up really merged the two ideas pretty closely. So okay. when I was a kid, so my family, my, so my mom's side of the family, I should say, is from Italy. And they're from, the part of Italy they're from is like pretty conservative in their views. So, you know, it's like, it's like a little town where people know everyone's business and all the gossip spreads and you know so-and-so wore a short skirt to church and isn't she such a hussy and like all that kind of small town stuff right and so part of that kind of conservatism is a really strong affinity for and love for the church but also frankly a total belief in like witchcraft and and magic and stuff like that like it's so it's so strange so when i was a kid growing up You know, my grandma, and we talk about this in the podcast, my grandma was really into science and history and philosophy and really put, my whole family really put a big strong emphasis on being smart, being educated and doing something. But they also put a really strong emphasis on kind of spirituality and philosophy and those questions that exist outside of the normal realm. And so, you know, for example, like my grandma thought, my, my grandma believed that, you know, um, she had, like, semi-prophetic dreams very occasionally, you know? And then growing up, like, I grew up in New York City, so after 9-11... New York City! Yeah, so af- after 9-11 happened, it was like everyone and their mother was like, oh, I dreamed the towers were going to come down or whatever, and it was that... All of that, like that, I guess, growing up kind of in that tragedy, in the shadow of that tragedy and growing up in an area that already had that kind of spiritualism infused within it really made me, I think, curious in kind of some of the darker aspects or some of that weird stuff.
0: Um, That's interesting. We have actually spoken to some people, neither of us being from New York, have spoken to people from New York who said that they
1: had dreams uh, of that happening before it happened. Oh, yeah, Yeah, you're talking about Johnny Ramos. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, that's and and you know that like those kinds of stories sort of propagated or I guess were part of they were a really big part of my childhood. And me because I think like any kid you want to be kind of you always want to go against what your parents believe. And since my parents believed in like kind of wacky stuff, I was like, "No, that's all bull crap. I'm a skeptic." You know, and um and so for me, like my heroes growing up were the scientists who kind of who were not afraid to look into the weird stuff. We're not afraid to do things that were kind of out of the box. But at the same time, looking at stuff like, you know, like for me growing up, I think for a lot of kids, if you get into the science, you also get into it through science fiction, right? So, you know, the X-Files, like, I wanted to be Scully, basically. (laughs) That's my answer, right? I wanted to be Dana Scully. So, I mean, I always knew that I wanted to get involved in kind of public skepticism and public... You know, skepticism is kind of the wrong word for what I do because I think for a lot of people skepticism has come to mean skepticism has come to mean debunking or has come to mean sort of a, you know, an aggressive tone or feeling towards these communities and that's not really what I feel, you know. I I want to understand why people believe this stuff and I want to know if there's any truth to it. But I right. also think I also think I guess that the like if if every single UFO report was true, that would be interesting, right? right? But if every UFO report is false, that's even more interesting. Like that just means that there's a a whole group of people. There's this idea that kind of spreads through society and manages to let people have the same or report the same experience. Like why do those people report them if they're all fake? How does that idea spread? Um, what does that mean for other stuff? What other false things do we all believe? You know, or do a big portion of the population believe like there's interesting questions that go along to the UFO stuff, regardless of whether or not they're true. So I guess to answer your question, I always knew I wanted to get involved in science communication and talking to the public about science and specifically talking to groups or learning about groups who believed in sort of non-traditional or pseudoscientific concepts or ideas.
0: Okay, so your interest is far less about, you know, is this really out there, uh, and it's just more, why do people say this is out there, whether it's true or not?
1: I think I think the two are I think the tr- the two are interconnected, right? It's kind of a matter, it's sort of a matter of the way you study something. So a good example of this is a good example of this is studying cults. Right, or not even cults. Cults is a bad connotation. A better way of, a th- a way of studying this or a way of putting this idea, I guess, is in studying religions. Okay. I, I might not, I don't believe in the Greek gods. Right? I don't okay. believe that Zeus exists. I don't believe in any of that stuff. But I am fascinated by the Greek myths. I'm fascinated by Greek society, Greek culture. And so I can go to school and learn to study that in a serious way. Gotcha. I think I think the same thing should be true for modern day communities that believe similar things or, or, or things that maybe, again, regardless of whether or not you believe that UFOs exist, UFO culture certainly does exist. And right. it's imp- and I think it's important to study because you know, it's there's never been a t- there's never been a time in history, in American history where I think it was more obvious why it's important to study, groups of people who don't believe things that are, are mainstream or true or <laughs> are, are susceptible to disinformation or misinformation. Right. And, and actually, you know, again, part of that question might be if, if UFOs are true, right. If UFOs really do exist, they really are coming here and let's go a step further. Even they really are abducting people at night and, and doing studies on them. Then that in itself, again, if we had evidence of that for, for whatever reason, then a larger question we'd have to be asking ourselves is, well, why, how is it that the scientific establishment or the political establishment, whatever, how is it that they missed this for so long? Hmm. And again, what does that mean for other social ills that might exist that we're potentially ignoring? You know, I don't think that's the most likely scenario that'll roll out from all of this, um, but it is an interesting question. And again, something that, something that I think should should be thought about, should be seriously considered. And that's why i like
2: your show because you approach that from a completely different angle as opposed to uh, a lot of other shows where it's either like they take a hard line stance i either believe this or i don't believe this
1: yeah we try not to get into the i mean i think there's some topics where we clearly don't believe it you know i mean like there's some stuff like chupacabra <laughs> i cannot i cannot um... I cannot hide my disdain for the idea of the chupacabra. It's so silly, but you know, but there are there are episodes where we we try to be a little bit more understanding because again, like at the end of the day, even if I don't believe in like like I might not believe that somebody has been abducted by aliens, but that person is still telling that story, and in many cases, they are still affected by what they perceive that experience to have been. Mm-hmm, you right. know, yeah. So it kind of like it's just you know I like la- I like to tell the example of when my. When I was a kid growing up, my dad was really sick, like all the time. My dad got cancer, like of his entire head, and so um, at one point before we knew what he had, he um, he got like really sick, and then he had to go to the hospital, and he he claimed to have died on the operating table and then seen God, right? He had a near-death experience. And after that, my dad was like really whole you know, my dad was really moral and good for like a week. And then he went (laughs) back to just doing what he normally did, which was sinning all the time. (laughs) But for that week he was really affected. And I I would argue that for a lot of people who have and you know, if my so if my dad said to somebody, I think I had a religious experience and I can't explain it, no one would say anything to him that was like, well, you're crazy. I mean, some people might, right? But those people are dicks, mm-hmm. yeah. um, You know, and that's fine. Like you can be, you know, people can have that opinion, but I'd say for the most part though, people would treat that as a mystery, as a genuine mystery. If someone, if, if my dad though had said, when I died, I saw an alien and he told me that they're gonna come take me up in their spaceship when I die. Um, even if he had the same results from that religious experience, it would be treated differently because of the cultural context in which those two ideas exist. So I, I don't think it's fair to kind of paint the paint every UFO experience or with the brush of they're crazy or whatever, because, again, regardless of the truth of their experience, they've had a genuine they've been genuinely affected by it. And I think they need to be treated with empathy. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. Mm.
2: Because it's why is it right for um, one experience to take precedence
1: over another? Exactly, you know, and even even in cases where, you know, like it's, if it's just the, it, you know, a lot of the times when you get into this with people who believe in religious uh, things, you know, part of the argument is sort of like, well, you know, it's the tradition. This idea has been around for a long time, right? And... That seems like a really, like, we believe all kinds of things that are stupid for a long time, you know? <laughs> so it doesn't, it doesn't seem like a good, it doesn't seem like a good uh, measure. And yeah. and really, if you look at it, if you look at the questions or the ideas that people who believe in UFOs or these other kind of phenomena, because we don't just talk about UFOs in the show, right? We talk about right. ghosts in history and other pseudoscientific ideas, you know, um, dinosaurs existing still in Africa or... Loch Ness monster, like any of that other stuff, but ideas and those sorts of things have been around since at least as long as religious ideas have been around, and in some cases longer. You know, um, if you think about like Atlantis, right? Plato, uh, you know, Plato uh, wrote about Atlantis. Right. So to have this idea that, or it was, was it Plato, was it Plato or Aristotle? Well, whatever. But you know, the ancient Greeks wrote about Atlantis, right? Yeah. Yes. And So that idea was around for longer than, like, Christianity has been around. (laughs) Right. So is that, you know, so I think uh, the thing that I like to say to people is, I don't really care what you believe. What I care about is logical consistency. And so if your ideas are logically consistent within your own framework, I, I don't really think I have a reason to tell you, or I don't think I necessarily have the right to tell you that your belief system is wrong or not, right? But. What I can say is like if you're preaching, you know, oh A is true, but then in the same breath you say, but A is false in this one specific instance. It's like, well, that is A really true? Like you, you know, that's that's not. They're not. That doesn't fit. That doesn't gel. hmm
0: Yeah. What about the people who are just who just flat out lie? <laughs> you know, like what? What's your interest there? Like, what do you? What are your thoughts on that? Because there, I mean, there are there. I do believe that a lot of people who say that they experience something be it a um ufo or ghosts or whatever because i've had some crazy experiences in my life not with aliens unfortunately um but for me the things that i experienced are completely real to me like I've, i've experienced way too much my daughter has experienced way too much um and we're definitely not making the stuff up but Obviously, of course, there are people who are just flat out lying for whatever reason, I guess. Well, you know what? Maybe I'm about to answer my own question. Like maybe it's for attention or just uh, for money or whatever, like, you know, financial gains. Yeah. But What are your thoughts
1: on that? So what else I guess what I'll say is. So first off, in my in my experience and again, like I have not, you know, I, I don't have as much experience with these groups as some people do. You know, I mean, I've been to. I've been involved now in this stuff for like i don't know maybe seriously involved for like say 10 years um and even that a lot of the interaction is online because that's just the way that it it's just the way that these things kind of go but I'll, what i can say i guess is that i think that most people who have a genuine experience react differently than the people who are just making it up and what i mean by that is just like again with religious experience with true religious experience or true religious conviction even if you don't think that person is you might not again. You might not believe in God, but if you meet someone who thinks that they've had a really religious experience, I think they they talk, They tend to talk about it differently. They tend to have, again, real real effects to them. And so the example I always give is there was uh, I was at a alien conference, and I was invited to a section that a friend or a couple of friends were speaking at on. Experiencers. So that's what the UFO community calls people who have had either physical or, you know, psychological or whatever experiences with the phenomena. They've seen something, they've been abducted, whatever. And in that room, there was a point where they asked people to come forward and share their stories if they felt comfortable. And, you know, one person told it and it was like, OK, I don't know if that's true. And then, uh, you know, the next guy gets up and he's shaking and sobbing as he remembers what he feels happened to him and is like, I can't explain it. I have, you know, I have terrible nightmares. Now I have started going to therapy for this and I, you know, that guy, something happened to that guy. I don't know if it was physical. I don't know if it was psychological. I don't know, whatever, but he was emotionally affected. Um, so that's I guess the first way that I would tell the difference is if is someone just general gut, right? Like most people have a good feel for if someone's being genuine with them or not. Mm-hmm. Now the other the other part of that though is we are not we aren't looking for just you know, in my mind the reason that you can't relate or the reason that you can't build any kind of real evidence on individual witness testimony in these cases Is because it's not, you know, if if a crime happened, right, you would be able to ask for other witnesses. You'd be able to get all that other stuff that relates to that physical event. And that's what a lot of the time UFO investigators try to do. And it hasn't worked for 50 years. And so what I would say is in any of these cases where you're investigating this stuff, you need to find a way to do it where you separate out the human component. So what I mean by that is, we need to look at something like a statistical data set to pick out trends and things that suggest to us that something real is happening or something unreal is happening. Now, what I mean by that is, one recent kind of phenomena that started happening, and not really recent, but has started happening, I think more with the internet, at least we've heard about it more, are people faking illnesses. Right. Mm-hmm. Or people believing that they have an illness that doesn't exist. Uh, more, you know, Morgellons disorder or electro, you know, electromagnetic um, sensitivity disorder or any of these other things. Right. Where, you know, they just their symptoms are basically like, I feel tired. I don't know what's happening. And, you know, sometimes they think, you know, the most com- one of the most common is this idea that cell phones or other um, electromagnetic emitters cause them to feel pain. And so they live in these houses that are covered in tinfoil, and they uh, shut out the lights and everything else, right? Like the, like the brother on Better Call Saul. Okay. Um, that's, that's not a real physical illness. But people report it. But if you look at the statistics around that disorder versus a real disorder, uh, they, they just do not match at all. Hmm. That's kind of what I'm talking about here with UFOs or these other cases. If there is a real event occurring in any way, there would be there would be things we would be able to pick out that should tell us that story, regardless, again, of whether or not they are they are really happening. Right. So, for instance, one interesting thing in the UFO literature right now is that um, most people who report UFO sightings are white people. I've heard most, that, okay. Most, most of the people in the world are not white people. So <laughs> how the hell is it that aliens are only abducting white people, right? That doesn't make any sense. That suggests that there is a cultural component to this that makes it that, – that suggests maybe there's nothing real there. Right, or aliens the, are racist. Or aliens are super racist, right? <laughs> uh, you know, they're they're. <laughs> it's one or the other, you know. Um, <laughs> right. It's got to be one or the other. But but seriously though, right? That that kind of thing is very interesting. Um, another thing we find is that abduction cases, the aliens doing the abductions, change over time. So in yeah. the sixties, it's all you know naked dudes and women with blonde hair. Um, right. In the seventies, it's all robots and whatever. And then in the 90s, it's little gray guys with with long fingers. That again suggests a cultural component that maybe says, you know, like if you look at, say, the sightings of, say, gorillas, um, those are also hard to photograph and not easy to find. But you don't have researchers in, like, the 1920s saying gorillas are wearing pants. (laughs) Right? Like, like the the descriptions don't change all that much. Um, And so that's another kind of area where there's a problem there and maybe we can dig into it a bit more. Um, So for example, if when we look at the data, it turns out that 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 thing I just said about aliens appearing differently in different different eras, that's something we assume is true. That's kind of anecdotal because no one's ever actually done a study to show that that's the case. No one's actually gone through the reports. Um, So again, that's an area where I think stuff, serious science applied to this stuff can chip away at some of that some of that bullshit, right? Some of that extra stuff that, that maybe isn't true. I was
2: always under the impression, like when it comes to the aliens, that it was pretty much a universal thing throughout the ages that everybody saw, like the, the big head, almond eyes, gray type creatures, um, you know, that kind of nope. thing.
1: No, it's not. Um... Actually, so in the the earliest UFO reports that we have kind of documented are from the 1880s, 1860s, like around that time frame, uh, pre-air flight. And in all of those cases, alien ships are actually giant, kind of like hot air balloons. Um, Hmm. They're like dirigibles. And so people would see these amazing airships that look like giant balloons in the sky. And then the things that would come down would be would be basically humans. Um, It'd be a guy who came down in like a speed, you know, in like a scuba diving suit or whatever. Oh, yeah. So, Fishbowl. yeah. So that is, you know, if anything, that's our first case of aliens, you know. And I mean, a lot of the stuff, a lot of that myth of aliens have looked like gray aliens this whole time comes from shows that are on like the history channel or even ancient aliens or whatever that again are kind of pushing a it's you know those aren't (laughs) i I don't i don't i'm sure i don't have to tell your listeners this but those are not academically rigorous shows (laughs) Um, (laughs) so it's like people just don't get good info on this stuff um you know, even like Betty and Barney Hill, which is one of the most famous UFO cases. Yeah. They're they're probably one of the first cases to report anything like a gray alien. And even in their case, their aliens weren't gray; they were kind of bluish, mm-hmm. and they had big noses. Right. Um, and you she know, said so, like
0: Jimmy Durante. Like Jimmy Durante, <laughs> yeah, which is
1: crazy, you know. So, um, a, a lot of people have. Far, far different experiences, and even in the modern day, people report all kinds of stuff. You know, the gray alien is the most common, probably because TV shows have made it the most popular.
0: Mm Hmm, that makes sense. Yeah, and TV leads us. Oh yeah, (laughs) sure does. Opium the masses.
1: Yeah, well, we, but you know, like I mean, just think about it, right? Um, The reason that we think about all the species on this planet. And then think about how many of those species look anything like us.
0: Right. You know,
1: right. It's maybe like maybe a thousand total if we're being really generous. Um, you know, for the most part, things that walk on two legs and have thumbs or even hands or whatever, like that evolved on this planet. But it's not the it's not the dominant. Um, They're not the dominant phenotypes. So it's it's really unlikely that an alien would frankly, well, I shouldn't say it's unlikely, um, but if an alien were to come down and look like us, I think it would be pretty surprising actually because, Correct. I mean, maybe, you know, the common argument for that is that there are advantages evolutionarily to looking like we do, you know, so walking on hind legs lets you be more energy efficient and um, having thumbs lets you use tools and having eyes lets you, you know, taking all these sensory information around you or whatever. But again, it's not hard to think. I mean, if an, no. if an alien civilization developed on a planet where there was no light, they weren't near a star, mm-hmm. there was, so there was no light and there was not really very much heat either. Um, would they have eyes? Would they have, would they have uh, skin? In any kind of similar way to the skin we have, would they, would they have arms and legs? Even it's hard to, it's you know all of that is just kind of anthropomorphizing what we think aliens should look like, and we just don't know enough. We don't know anything. I mean, and even with
0: us within our own species, you know, like uh, races that um, developed in different parts of the world look completely different. You know, I mean, obviously we still have the same body. Body parts, but just, just you know, the the places that our race developed had a huge impact on how we look. You know, exactly. so like, so, on no. a different planet, it's gonna be, it's more <laughs> likely to be way, way different.
1: Exactly right. I mean, you know, so there's there's all kinds of stuff like that that would make huge, huge differences in their physical condition. Um, that again would make it really challenging to. If they did come down, you know, my bet is that if they came down to us, we wouldn't be able, the first like year of us interacting would be, you know, not, you aren't able to communicate with them. You know what I mean? It would be, yeah. it would be similar in some ways to almost the way that we communicate with our pets, maybe. Um, Mm. And even then, that's probably giving it too much because our pets at least evolved in a similar (laughs) planet to us.
2: Yeah. yeah, right here with us. Yeah, their understanding wow. of uh, of everything and our understanding would be two completely different things. It wouldn't be a universal thing.
1: No, exactly. I mean, there's a famous quote from a there's a famous quote from a philosopher whose uh, his name is Ludwig Wittgenstein, and so he he has this quote that says, "If a lion could speak, we couldn't understand him." And. He doesn't mean like literally, you know, he's speaking French or something. So, you know, you just can't get his language, right? Like it's not it's not a language thing. He literally means that the lion's brain, the lion's world, the kind of sensory information that the lion takes in is so vastly different than the sensory information that we take in mm-hmm. that, it would, that we just, we could never, we might be able to get some very, again, very rudimentary language um, to develop so that, and, and by language, I don't mean again physical language, but you know, signaling, whatever. We might be able to get some very rudimentary stuff like that happening, but outside of really complicated, you know, techniques and study, it would be very hard to think about how we would come to understand that. You know, I don't know if I don't know if either of you have a friend who is, you know, deaf or blind or colorblind or <laughs> uh, anything like that, but like how you know but just doing that experiment in your own head like how would you explain the color red to somebody who had never seen red before right you can't yeah that would be you can't right you can you can tell them like you can kind of tell them like well apples are red you know so if they have a concept of apple then they can think well apple is related to red but But still they wouldn't know what red looks like Exactly. They would never be able to utilize that information in the same way that you could, because they can't, they literally cannot understand it. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, just imagine if there was a species of alien who, um, as opposed to eating, as opposed to like hunting and having to eat food through a digestive system, they took in energy through sunlight. Right. Think about how much of our culture would not make any sense to them. Yeah. Um, you know there's there's a lot of and that's like a simple one right we're talking that's we're talking like eating a bagel and pooping it out that's like simple that's, <laughs> right. one. That's, not e- that's not even like you know their minds um that's not even talking about things like you know their brains because their brains aren't taking in the same sensory information maybe their brains don't have the same kind of connections we do maybe they don't have memory maybe they have much longer memory or much shorter memory it's um you know the i think really at the end of the day the the, the problems with communicating with aliens would be so monumental that even if they did land on Earth, you know, we—if <laughs> they did land on Earth, we'd probably just be like, "We don't know what we don't know what's going on."
0: You're right. We, uh, do
1: not, I do not know. You know, I—I'll never forget. Um, I'll never forget one time I was in Hungary for a conference and. I in high school I had to learn Russian because my high school was like started in the Soviet Union time and they thought that Russian was gonna be a really important language for everyone to know. <laughs> that yeah. went bust. Should have chosen <laughs> Chinese. But uh um, right. Damn. But anyways, we I, I was in Hungary, I'm at this train station I'm with my lab mate, and we're going from Budapest to Balatonfüred, which is like a lakeside town near Lake Balaton. And a guy in a Russian, uh, tr- like a tr- tracksuit with like the Russian flag on it, and he had a bald head. He had a gold tooth. This guy looked straight up like a, like a Russian gangster. You know what I mean? Like I was like, I'm gonna <laughs> get murdered by this guy. He's gonna, he's gonna take me to like Uzbekistan and I'm gonna die. He came up to me. So in high school, I learned a little bit of Russian. So at the counter to the ticket, um, I had to, I basically had to order the ticket in my limited Russian skills. So, you know, I was like, you know, well, one for Budapest. And she, so she gave me the ticket, whatever, or the other way. And then at the platform, this guy comes up to me speaking fluent Russian and like pointing at his ticket. And he's like, you know, what, you know whatever the hell he was saying. And I just had to keep saying, like, I don't speak Russian good because I don't even have the skills to say I don't speak Russian well. You know? right. And uh, And finally, this guy gave up and went away. But it was like even that was terrifying and scary and ununderstandable and we again like basically had a common language right <laughs> yeah <laughs> and you
2: you <laughs> so. experienced like some common themes because you're both people you you could understand yeah. like the emotions that you're feeling
1: Exactly. Like our language, you know, I knew he was frustrated without him having to say anything. Mm -hmm. You know, I knew that he was on this train platform to go to wherever the hell he was going to. I knew he wasn't from Hungary because he was wearing a Russian tracksuit and speaking fluent Russian. Right. You know, all of that, like all of those context clues go away if the alien you're looking at is just a blob with an eye. (laughs) (laughs) What the hell? not even... no, you can't even get like slight intention then in that case. Yeah, we can't understand each other's oh.
0: emotions.
2: It's just like, you know what, I'm just gonna go home.
1: This guy clearly wants to roll someplace. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know why or how, but he wants to.
2: It's like trying to figure out what a spider's thinking as it's dangling in front of you.
1: A hundred, a hundred percent. That is exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, man.
2: Dude, listen, this was um
0: this was amazing. Honestly, oh, like, you this made was, so
1: much fun.
0: Yeah, this man. was fantastic. A- and and for our listeners uh, who are not familiar with your show, this is just a really, really like this. I can't think of a better introduction to your show <laughs> than, than what you just gave us. So thank you so much for this, man. This was amazing. Huh. Tell, tell our listeners uh, again um, who where they can find you, where they can find your podcast, if they want to get in contact with you.
1: Yeah, so our show is called The Mad Scientist Podcast. So I host it with my co-host, Marie Mayhew. Um, We talk about all this kind of crazy stuff all the time. Um, You can find the show just searching The Mad Scientist Podcast. Our logo is super easy to find because it has jack-o'-lanterns in it, um, in every iteration of it. You can follow us on Twitter at Mad Scientist Pod. Um, Email us, the mad scientist podcast at gmail.com, and also find our website, um, either the mad or even chrisfcogswell.com. Now, I set up a personal website so I can show it off to my mom and all of her friends. Very uh, nice. <laughs> so that's it. <laughs> Life's greatest mysteries remain shrouded by the thin veil separating the ordinary from the extraordinary. Wouldn't it be great if there was a podcast that could help answer these burning questions and decode the truth? We think so too, but until then, check out Hysteria 51. It's a weekly podcast that takes a comedic look at the world of the weird, hosted by me, Brent Hand, him, John Goforth, that thing, Conspiracy Bot. You're all idiots. And me, British announcer guy. Remember, the truth is out there, but you won't find it here. Stay woke, meet sex.
2: Confirmed
1: sighting. The several videos they're talking about were recorded years ago.
2: Footage of the sightings, declassified by the military. See, see, see right there? You see it? You catch it? Just... See what? Confirmed
1: sighting. Sensors locking in on the target. We saw a disturbance in the water. Confirmed sighting. I think they.
2: Did. I think they did. Confirmed sighting. Confirmed sighting. It's not a UFO sighting thing so. <laughs> okay. But if you have a book that has uh, basically helped shape your life, a movie that you recently seen that you really like, anything basically genre-related, video games, um, uh, our, TV, yeah, TV. Show, comic book, right? Our previous guest talked about uh, music artist Ghost Main as uh, her oh, nice. her major thing. So, yeah, it's <laughs> um, it could be anything, pretty much.
0: Yeah, I've been dying to know what you're what you've been into.
1: <laughs> oh, man. All right. So we're talking like, all right. All right. I, I can I definitely get into this. I can give you guys some good answers here, I think. Um. All right. So first off, I guess the main... Honestly, this is going to sound super dorky. The main thing that for me has built a lot of my worldview, or I guess a lot of my interest in a lot of this stuff, has been comic books and video games. And one comic book series that has been really influential on me and actually i think and interestingly i think has been really influential on a lot of people interested in the paranormal or the occult or ufos or any of this stuff even if they don't realize it is the work of neil gaiman
2: specifically
1: specifically the books of magic so if you guys have either you guys ever read that series before no, no, I'm familiar with Neil right. Gaiman. So it's really good. So essentially what it does is it follows. So my my favorite comic book character of all time is Constantine, is John Constantine. <laughs> oh, okay. Favorite character. And so in this book, it's this kid, um, Timothy, who is – essentially finds out that he's got great magical potential. And so he is brought around – the world of magic and it, it, it all, like all of the fairy tales, all of the myths, all of it merges into one world. And so it's very similar to some of Gaiman's other work, like say American gods, or even the Sandman ties in really heavily with the books of magic. Cool. Um, where these ideas or these concepts, it's it kind of goes into like a Jungian archetype kind of idea where, you know let's look at like the story of Cain and Abel right the story of a brother killing another brother is such a common theme throughout literature and media and history and everything else but in the books of magic world Cain and Abel exist as real characters who are kind of the archetypal brother brother um relationship of kind of jealousy and love and hate and admiration and and all of it right <coughs> um that idea that all of these things are connected, that all of these things have relations to each other, and that a lot of the times it's not the event itself that's important, it's the story that goes along with it, has been such a kind of overridingly compelling thought to me throughout my life that really, like, if I hadn't picked up the first Books of Magic book from the library in Staten Island, New York, when I was a kid, um, I honestly don't know if I'd be doing this podcast right now. It's mm. such a it it was such an influential thing to me. Um, and then on top of that, too, another series that has a kind of similar idea to it is the Elder Scrolls uh, video game series. Okay. That to me, is like, so in that in that series, right? You play a protagonist who is a reincarnation essentially of a god, but not really a reincarnation. more like a, a proxy for the God. So just like, you know, if you think in terms of Christianity, Jesus was both separate from God, the father, but also part of God, the father, right? It it was kind of like the two in the same guy. Okay. Um, And actually, actually three in the same guy, right? Because also the Holy Spirit. Spirit. both. So, right. So it's the same kind of idea like that. Um, But so your character is sort of this man myth god who does whatever they want in the game but there is such, there's just such a deep lore around everything else, you know um, you meet with demons who are considered gods by some of the people in the world but they actually live on on other planets and so to get to them you go through wormholes but you can also go through spaceship if you find the means to do that And but it's all like in a high fantasy setting and again it's like this it's again this merging of ideas and concepts in a way that is is so different than other places in media where it's kind of a very cut and dry, easy story. That again, it was very—it was always very compelling to me. So, yeah, dude, super deep cuts talking about a comic book series no one has ever heard of, and a <laughs> part of the Elder Scrolls game series that no one ever plays anymore. Uh, Arena and uh, <laughs> my Morrowind too. But yeah, man, those those for me were really influential. And then actually, another another book that was really. I think a big one for me, even though now it's pretty, it's considered to be pretty like passe, but um, Guns, Germs, and Steel by Jared Diamond, or Jared Diamond, is that the guy's name? I think that's the guy's name. Um, that was actually a book that I had to read in, um, yeah, it's Jared Diamond, Guns, Germs, and Steel is what the book is called. That book <coughs> was a really, um, it was pushed really hard in my high school, but essentially it's like a look at world history from a, materialist, material determinist perspective. And for those that like don't know, material determinism is just a fancy way of saying Marxism. Um, (laughs) So it's like a really, it's a really interesting book that talks about how kind of, you know, economics ultimately shaped society and science and culture and technology. And again, like another book that really was, even though I didn't like the book, it's not an easy read by any means of the imagination. It was a slog to get through, but those ideas and those concepts were really, really influential on me growing up. All right. Oh, wow. Man, see, I, 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 <laughs>
0: I, I knew this would be a good one with you, man. That was amazing.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Guys, I, I mean, you know, it's, um, I could talk about books all day. I could talk about video games all day because I love them so damn much. Like, <laughs> Same I you. um yeah, I, I'm looking. I mean, yeah, I just read stuff all the time. I don't know. I'm always consuming media, which is bad when you have as much podcasting stuff you have to do as I do. <laughs> <laughs> cool.
2: So what's up? I have to ask, um, when I was listening to the Church of Enoch part two, what's up with the um, Animal Crossing thing? I still didn't Dude. get that.
1: <laughs> okay. So Animal Cross. So okay. Me and Marie were playing Animal Crossing. And we're we're having a great time. And Marie one day is like, you know, dude, this thing is very much so like a cult. And we had already started doing research on an episode about cults. The problem with doing an episode on cults from like our show's perspective is... Like I have, I have been pushing Marie to do an episode on serial killers for so long, because I love serial killer stories. I find them fascinating. I find the science behind, like how do you catch them, fascinating. The problem is that there's just not a lot there. Like the closest we got was was Ted uh, was was um, uh, Theodore Kaczynski, right, the Unabomber. Yeah. Um, and that's because he had like his stuff had a lot of kind of psychology involved in it and he was part of MKUltra supposedly and there was a lot of there was a lot of meat there right um, but with cults or even with other serial killer stories unless you're just talking about the history it's kind of hard a lot of the times to find science and so what we wanted to do was do a series on kind of the psychology of of cults and how people got into them and everything else and as we're talking about that and learning about all this stuff, Marie is like, dude, this game is like, is just a cult simulator. <laughs> like you're going, you know, you're, you're flown to an island by a guy who's like, you're going to work for me for nothing and I'm going to pay you in my own currency and, um, you know, you're going to like it. Right. And like every day you're woken up by an announcement over a loudspeaker and, you know, (laughs) the economy is controlled by one guy and his family and he's getting rich (laughs) off of your labor. And it's all very like cultish. And it's and it's one of those things where, you know, we're all stuck in we're all stuck at home right now, right, where it's COVID. So we're Mm -hmm. all stuck at home. We're all having a terrible time. And yet a lot of people are like, you know, this game has been a very soothing way to get away from the psychological distress. And like, that's the exact thing that causes people to join cults, is <laughs> their daily lives become so uncomfortable for them that they they want to give up control to someone else. Oh, you know? okay. And so the whole series was about, we wanted to start off by talking about this really, you know, we wanted to talk about this really like evil group that was bringing people to this island and making them work and all this other stuff. But then, But then introduced to the listeners in the second episode, like, hey, most of you guys are part of this cult. (laughs) <laughs> you know, it's, it's Animal Crossing <laughs> You're in, it's in the house it was so oh, cool. we thought it'd be kind of fun we've 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 never done an episode like that before we probably won't do another one because it's like now the secret is gone and frankly like I don't know how well it went over really but I thought it was fun I thought it was cool <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah that was definitely interesting I've never played Animal Crossing I never really had any interest in it so that's why I was trying to figure out like what the hell is going on well, dude, here
1: <laughs> that's the other thing my mom so my mom listens to of the show my mom is like my biggest fan which is adorable but also true um (laughs) and she like she heard the episode and then she called me she's like you know like what the hell is this what is this cult you talking about you know because she's (laughs) my mom is big into all that stuff and so she's like if i haven't heard about it it doesn't exist and i'm like mom it's about that stupid video game i play and she's like, well, I'm not, I'm not listening to the second one. <laughs> that was it. So I was like, oh, great. So now I know what the, 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 I know what a lot of our listeners will be like about this one. This isn't going to go over well, but thankfully I think most people kind of got it and were like, oh, huh, that's weird. Um, so I, I think, I you know, it was fun. I don't know. You got to take risks, right? Yeah, so.
2: you definitely do
1: that's super funny though guys yeah cool, that's, that's really
0: that, cool, was a, that was that was a very good question and a very good answer and, and we're gonna keep that that's gonna yeah
1: please do be a little, man. A I little
0: mean, bit extra for the listener they didn't expect to hear that so that was absolutely cool cool. cool
1: guys
2: <laughs> all right Appreciate man it, it was great talking Sweet. to you we'd love to have you back on again at some point
1: hell yeah yeah let me know whenever <laughs> this was super fun we, we got to have you guys on our show too um, oh
2: shit that would be awesome
1: yeah, yeah, we got to set up a time for sure, man. Um, Let me know, like, in the next couple weeks when you guys might be free and we'll schedule something, okay? All right, sounds <laughs> we'll good. Try, we'll try to work it out that way. I know, it's, it's hard, bad. right? <laughs> yeah, man. All right, guys, have a good one. You too, All right, man. You Take too. care. there right, guys. fan of movies or comics or video games or just anything else nerdy well you should check out the zing, zing this, this podcast. podcast and that's spelled
2: z e n g
1: this and we have nerdy topics from comic book reviews to in depth analysis of iconic nerdy movies as well as video game discussions mm-hmm. where's some of the best places to find us allie well podbean of course you can also find us on iTunes Stitcher, Google Play. Anywhere else you listen to your podcast. podcast. Yeah. So check us out. Once again, that is
2: Zing Zing this. This. You've been listening to a fourth hand joint.